Jeff and Jordan, it's only an hour. And thank God for the people. This show is only an hour as well. It's Trey. It's BK. We get a lot of people clamoring for more, BK. We get a lot of people clamoring for more. We just, I just have to go fucking sell this shit now. Yeah, you and me both. Second hour. Hey, there we go. Wouldn't be a bad problem to have at all. What's up, everyone? Hope y'all had a fantastic weekend. Welcome back to another edition of Trey and BK right here on Texas Sports Unfiltered, brought to you by Plan B. Uh, boy, what a sponsor that would be. If we could find a way to get Plan B on uh, on our show and on our network, that would be one of my biggest wins in my living career. Completely unrelated, but I did just land a sponsorship deal with wire coat hangers. So (laughs) completely unrelated to plan B. Wow. Well, I I could use some hangers, not for anything to do with plan B, but actually I Mm. I do need to buy some hangers if you have some. What's going on back there? I uh, purposely moved something. Baby baby head necklace. I uh, had to Mm. remove the book that I had up from late last week where I was interviewing an author. And so instead you get the, uh, the baby head necklace. That's a necklace. It's like yeah. a king, king cake or something in honor of going to new Orleans. Ooh, first. I definitely am taking this to new Orleans with us. I didn't even think about that, but that is 100% happening. No, I had to create this. Um, we had a, uh, <laughs> that's terrifying, dude. The, the eyes close whenever she's laid down. But I had to create this. I'll just wear it for today's show. I had to create this for. Oh boy, we're already there today, aren't we? Uh, I had to. I had to create this though a couple weeks ago because my wife and her neighborhood friends, who are a fun bunch, decided for this year's Christmas get together at somebody's house that the theme would not be ugly Christmas sweaters, but dress like your significant other. And so Justine dresses like me. I'm supposed to dress like her. And so Justine, got to be careful about how I say this. Justine is easy, BK, in terms of how I can dress like her, not just easy in general. It took a while. We, uh, We had a courtship process before anything went down in that regard. And now I'm over talking. But... And dressing up like Justine, uh, she's a nurse. So I just got to go get some comfortable Dickies nurse scrubs, but I needed to spice the outfit up a little bit. And so Justine used to work in a labor and delivery department. So I came up with a backstory that this is previous era Justine working in labor and delivery. And the reason why she wore this uh, this baby head around her neck is because this is the first baby that she ever delivered. When the baby came out, its head popped off. And so she's had nothing but successful deliveries since then. And she believes that's in part because she has this lucky baby head charm to ensure that all other babies that she delivers are healthy. So that is a real baby head right there around your neck. Real that was a, that was a failed she, delivery. And now she's awake. And now she's sleeping. And now she's awake. Do the eyes actually move or is that just the angle? No, they close. Oh, I, I can't really see it right now. The eyes are closed though right there. <laughs> I actually had her get, I didn't tell her what the idea was. I'm like, please just buy a cheap baby whose eyes open and close at Target. And, you know, she's a suburban mom so she's in target i don't know 12 times a week and so she's like what the hell are you talking about this is a complete waste of money i'm like no it's actually not a waste of money because it's going to go towards your costume and eventually i didn't even tell her this because i didn't know 
it would uh it would be a trinket that I'm utilizing in the great city of New Orleans when we're there here in a couple of weeks. There it is. Yeah, put that in someone's cake, not an innuendo. And mm. then it will fit with the New Orleans culture, right? I-, I guarantee you this. This has I don't know, this has like the monetary value of a thousand dollars in New Orleans. At Mardi Gras, but really any time of year, people are looking for the most unique, cheap, beaded necklaces. And you're talking about one that has a baby head on it in that city with the fucking voodoo culture of New Orleans. This shit is worth something, my friend. Yeah. I don't know if you could get a thousand for it, but you could definitely get over a hundred for that. Like, yeah. no doubt in my mind, especially if it's like late into the night slash early into the morning on Bourbon Street. Like, yeah, somebody would give you at least a hundred for, for that thing. Hell, I think I'd give you a hundred bucks for that thing. I went to uh, New Orleans for Mardi Gras like six or seven straight years with friends. And one year, one of my buddies, uh, this girl had just beads. that th- Every bead was the size of this baby head here, right? As she opens and closes her eyes. Every bead was the size of the baby head. So it was just huge beads going around her neck. And he's like, I want those beads. What do I have to do? And she's like, you have to show me your junk. And so he was so desperate for these beads that he whipped it out on bourbon street showed his junk got the beads and let me tell you those beads gave him access to a whole lot of shit the rest of that weekend that was just a marvel to to watch play out and it's like you could have just gone to i don't know a gas station on the way into new orleans and paid 20 bucks for these beads rather than showing your drunk junk on bourbon street but then again he wouldn't have that story that he could then retell over and over again to everybody who asked him, how did you get those beads? That's a great story. So not just lifting the shirt, he dropped the pants. No, I'm dude. He was, it was like full, it was like thumb and whatever, no. uh, whatever we're referring to the balls as, uh, that, uh, isn't actually saying testicles. Wow. Thumb and balls, let's say that. Okay. Yeah. Very subtle by you there. Um, damn, that's awesome. Yeah, good story. And I want to know what he got access to with those beads. Uh, there, there were plays made, multiple plays made that weekend. Let's just say that. Wow. And he wow. never had to give the beads up. That was the crazy thing. Maybe, maybe that's why Jock Peterson wears what he wears when he plays baseball. That guy had the giant pearl necklace a couple of years ago. Remember that deal? I, I don't remember that, but that's a uh, that has a very different meaning than Mardi Gras beads, I think. Hmm. Depends on which neck it was. Was it the right neck or the left neck? Oh no, that's that's earrings, right? You only have Speaking one. Of, I have a choose your own adventure for you with today's where are we at in society. I don't know if you saw my tweet just now. No, but there were a couple of things that popped up at the Texas Sports Unfiltered luncheon on Saturday at, at Moonshine Bar and Grill. Which, my goodness. I mean, we go to the Avery Ranch location pretty regularly. I hadn't been to the uh, to the old location in a while. They are still doing it up right there, too. I'm not, I shouldn't be surprised by that because I see the, the quality of this, that second location on Avery Ranch and Palmer. But it is so freaking good. And uh, thanks to you and Bucky for putting that together and setting it up. It was great to get together with everybody. All these people that we see nonstop via Zoom or StreamYard, I guess, technically. But to get everybody in the same room was hilarious. But there were two different things that came up during this luncheon. And so you get to decide which one we talk about today and which one we talk about tomorrow. And I'll just give the teaser right now. The options are the woke pendulum having swung in the opposite direction. And then two, the Helen Keller conspiracy. 
Hey. Yeah, thankfully I was at the other side of the table from you guys, so I missed most of these conversations on Saturday. But I guess they didn't completely evade me because it sounds like I'm going to have to talk about both of them over the next two days. So You can just listen because it's mostly going to be me droning <laughs> on, I guess. But I think there's a conversation that needs to be had too, though. Last time our intern ever gets invited anywhere, I can tell you that. <laughs> I know, too. Brock, Brock is the best slash worst. Oh my god! Justine despises him after what he what he put in my brain, and just in terms of finding the uh, the truth with Helen Keller, dude, I might have to hang out with that kid. I think it's his birthday tomorrow, and he invited yeah. me to Sixth Street because he's in college, and that's where you go when you're in college and you're celebrating really? a birthday. Yeah. So I might uh, I might hit the Tuesday night thirty sixth trip tomorrow. Badass, good for him. Yeah. yeah, you should do that. Although it's gonna be really bad for your liver. Yeah, I mean, I still sound like shit, so that's not going to help with that. I'm so tired of tea. Maybe I need more booze. Maybe that's my issue. Did you end up going out on Saturday night? No, dude, I didn't do anything Saturday. I didn't do anything Friday night. I didn't do anything Saturday night. I didn't do anything yesterday. And I'm like, I did what I was supposed to do and feel better, sound better for sure yeah. than I did on Friday, but yeah. we're not uh, we're not quite where we need to be yet. And then very we'll mature go. decisions out of you. I'm proud of you right now. You, yeah, you're trying I'm, to get the overall health under control by eating better and working out. And now you're choosing to stay in on a weekend leading up to Christmas, which is crazy times downtown yeah. to feel better. Kudos to you, sir. Yeah, it sucks. Could have gotten tailed both nights this weekend, too. And I didn't. <laughs> I didn't, but I also didn't get shot. There was a shooting on 6th Street over the weekend, and thankfully uh, I was not involved in that. Where, where on 6th Street? I mean, I just assume dirty. I don't want to be – Yeah, I don't want to stereotype 6th Street, though. Dirty. Yeah. Well, there's <laughs> a reason why you have to pass through metal detecting wands or metal detectors themselves to go in a lot of bars down there now, unfortunately. Yeah, you might need to do that to enter the street these days. Mm. Might not be a bad idea. All right. We'll get into all that stuff later in the show and later in the week. Uh, Trey, Texas won a national championship yesterday. And it's a sport that is very near and dear to your heart. The yes. Texas volleyball team got the job done in Tampa, sweeping the number one overall seed, Nebraska Cornhuskers. This match was not even close. The Longhorns were dominant, and they win their second straight national championship and fourth in school history what a year by jared elliott's team and and this team they got off to a sluggish start they were a number two seed which for texas is pretty low in the ncaa tournament but they got hot at the right time they beat three straight number one seeds one in the elite eight one in the final four and one in the national championship to win the whole damn thing tip the cap to jared elliott and maddie skinner and Asia O'Neill and Emma Halter and the whole damn squad, they got the job done in emphatic fashion yesterday. And once again, Texas volleyball is national champions. Something clicked for this team as they were getting beat pretty soundly in game two against Wisconsin. Because from that point on, I think they won just about every set by double digits or more. And it was a combination of things. Obviously, Maddie Skinner... Had a hell of a run here. Big 12 player of the year. Great argument to be national player of the year. But she is just an, a force. Whether she's on the outside or whether she is attacking from the back row, which is in a lot of ways more difficult because of how high she gets 
and her ability to hit around double and occasionally even triple blocks as well. This Texas service was impossible for both Wisconsin and then Nebraska to handle too. Asia O'Neill is going to get a lot of that love as she should. Maggie Skinner had a great service game yesterday. Also going back to that semifinal match on Thursday night too. And as a team, this Texas group, they played their best volleyball at the right time. And it led to a second straight national championship. Not just that though, a second straight sweep in the national championship game match after beating Louisville 3-0 last year, too. And- hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, price line. And tip the cap to Jared Elliott. I personally have to thank him because he helped uh, both my kids get to experience the mountaintop for Texas Longhorn sports for now the first and second times this year in terms of the sports that we actually pay attention to and can watch on television. And my kids have a lot of pride for this university, just generally speaking, but especially because they know what it feels like to win. So thank you, Jared, and uh, and your players for that. And I have no qualms saying this, like football is king at this school. And I like watching the football team most the clear cut second for me right now in terms of paying attention to Texas sports is this Longhorn volleyball team. Man, it's hard not to get sucked in, right? I mean, if you've never been to a match at Gregory Gym, I highly encourage you to go. I've been saying that for years, right? This is not, oh, this team's won two straight championships and now you should go. No, like when I was a student, uh, I loved going to volleyball matches. I mean, it's a great, great atmosphere inside of Greg and, Look, we all love supporting a winner, and, and Texas volleyball wins every year. Like, they don't win at all every year, but, my God, they've made it to 17 of the last 18 Sweet 16s in the NCAA tournament. They made it to 11 of the last 16 Final Fours. Like, it's easy to root for good teams, and Texas volleyball is very good every single year. So, highly recommend y'all go. Uh, they show a lot of the matches on Longhorn Network. That's probably going away. But I'm sure they'll show some matches on TV on the SEC network too in future seasons. Yeah, it is it is easy to get sucked into this Texas volleyball team, man. They uh they play well, they're really good, they make us proud, and it's a likable bunch this year for sure. So yeah, I second that sentiment of getting over to a game at Gregory when you can. Uh-huh. It is a lot of fun. It's mostly GA seating. There's not a bad seat in the house. And Even uh, our guy, KD, who is a huge baseball fan, he says, look, baseball for a good game, that is the best crowd by far. He's like, volleyball is a close second, though, in terms of ranking the crowds for UT sports. So that's coming uh, from somebody who is that fond about Texas baseball and also has been to so many different sports at Texas over time as well. UT Parking says, Texas volleyball stole Nebraska's lunch money and stuffed them in a locker. Yeah, it was a beatdown. It was so bad, the Nebraska coach publicly displayed sore loser behavior i don't know if we have the comments on tap i meant to cut them up i don't you do have those yeah uh, let's go ahead and play the the post-game comments from the nebraska coach here we go John, in, in what ways has texas set the bar that you and other teams have to have to match now i gotta think about that but uh you know um if you look at tonight's nat- match i mean they've got half their starting team are transfers they're all fourth and fifth year players except for ella the setter who did a great job. Um, 
So they've got, um, you know, that's how they've been building their team. That's how they built last year's team. I like what we're doing. I like recruiting kids and trying to make them be great. So, look, this is a guy who is having to come to terms with the fact that his team just got their asses completely kicked on national television. I know a lot of people, Texas fans are talking about their, it being sore grapes, and that, that's not incorrect, but he's also coping with an absolute beatdown in a, t- a year where his team only lost a single match all season long. Um, and he does have far more homegrown kids than transplants. I think there's one transfer on his roster right now. And by the way, this is a team that doesn't have any seniors either. So there's a good chance that we're going to see this team make a deep run next year as well. I mean, Nebraska volleyball is just traditionally that good. And he's got a lot of talent coming back next year, unless some of them choose to transfer elsewhere. But he's also not completely immune to that. And he's also incorrect about how Texas volleyball built its roster. Half its starters are not transfers from someplace else. There are plenty of homegrown kids. Four of six starters were homegrown. That includes Asia O'Neill and Molly Phillips and Emma Halter and uh, Ella Swindle, who we mentioned is not being a junior or senior. Well, guess what? There's a variation across the board with that as well. Emma Halter, who was hugely incredible as a libero for this Texas team, wasn't as big yesterday just because Texas had it going so uh, so many other places, but she was instrumental in that semifinal match. She's a sophomore right now. So I, I get it that you're you're a little bit pissed off and you feel like Jarrett is gaming the system, but he's not really gaming the system. He's maybe a little bit better at it than other people are right now. And by the way, you took Texas' best player several years ago, Lexi's son, and were unable to turn that into a national championship. So look, Texas and Nebraska, there is bad blood between these two schools now. And quite frankly, I love beating Nebraska every chance we get BK, but I also understand where that animosity is coming from the other side for a school that typically doesn't hate other schools that exists with Texas right now. That was evident last night, but he was also pretty incorrect with his analysis of why Texas is so good. So kudos to Jared Elliott. You have one of the other best coaches in the country reeling to a degree that he can't even think straight in his post game press conference. Y'all kicked his ass so bad. Yeah, John Mahomes instead of John Cook with just how many uh, sour grapes that dude was eating up there. And, yeah, you're right. I mean, you laid it out perfectly. Most of Texas's starters were recruited by Texas, and you brought it up. I went on a big rant this morning. I didn't think I would ever get so excited or animated about volleyball, but I was this morning just dunking on this dude. I mean, it's it's a bad look. But, hey, congrats to you. Hope you're proud of finishing second place, you f-ing loser. Like, oh, you're really proud about that? You're really proud of getting your ass kicked on national television by Texas? Cool. I'm proud of winning the championship. That's what we're proud of doing. It's winning it all and embarrassing y'all for everyone to see. But if you want to be proud of all the cute little development that you're doing, that's great. Develop your way to these nuts, bitch. This is what I have to say to John Cook. Shut up, bitch. (laughs) In In a women's sport, it's ironic that the biggest bitch is the head coach who's a man. Shut up, bitch. Great call, Sandman23. Volleyball is literally all Nebraska has to look forward to, and now we've ruined that for them as well. Yeah. Hey, go play outside. You know, go set all your record crowds at the football stadium. Enjoy uh, enjoy that, Nebraska, but we'll we'll enjoy this national championship, all right? Hmm. It's a big win for Texas. Turning point in the match yesterday, though, Trey, 
Uh, look, Texas won the first set. You could argue that was a turning point. Definitely was. You always want to win that first one. But set two, Nebraska was up 10-7. And I'm like, all right, well, they're probably winning this set. We figured it'd be a long match. This wasn't going to be easy. Nebraska's really good. Number one seed. They've only lost once all season long. Figured this thing could go four or five. But you brought up Asia O'Neal and her serve. Texas went on an 11-0 run yeah. in the second set to go from down three to up eight. And look, the way Texas was playing, there was no way Nebraska was coming back in that set to win after going down 18-10. And then, shit, once Texas went up two sets to nothing, it was over. Nebraska wasn't winning three in a row. They looked shell-shocked, honestly. Texas was playing loose, even with a lot of service errors. Texas had like a weird number of service errors yesterday. Uh, they just they weren't messing anything else up, and Nebraska was just playing tense and uptight, and they just stuff that they hadn't screwed up all year. I told Bucky, I'm not going to act like I've watched a ton of Nebraska, but I watched their last two matches and watched how damn good they looked, like stuff that they were not messing up at all in the uh, the previous two games that they played. They just they looked lost and they looked defeated, and the last point was kind of a microcosm of that. It was just kind of a a give up there by Nebraska at the end. So. Yeah, Texas got to them early, and Nebraska never got up off the mat. It was very, very enjoyable for us to watch. That's how you know you've been dominant when you break the spirit of a team that has been that good all year long. The same thing happened with Wisconsin, by the way. By the time you got to that fourth set against Wisconsin, they were done. They were toast, and that happens. You're right. That run in game two was a big deal, but Texas being able to hold on and win in game one after Elliott ended up getting the red card because he argued – what seems like a correct point, by the way, I've gone back and looked on some message boards and seen some stills of things. It does look like they were out of rotation, which means that Texas should have gotten that point. They would have had match point at that time. But Jarrett in doing so, and look, he was pissed off and he knew he had a he knew he had the correct argument, also realized that his team could handle that sort of distraction. Now, uh Halter shanked that very next serve by Nebraska and that I think maybe tied the game at that point but Texas regrouped from there and uh, eventually won that first game and then one going away with uh, games two and three and uh, a lot of uh, really nice service runs were helpful uh, they, they were doing a good job with everything though they were digging balls well they were receiving well so many beautiful passes off of Nebraska's serve right to the setter the freshman who was just putting things on a platter for her outside hitters, whether it was Asia O'Neal sliding to the right, Molly Phillips from time to time, and then, of course, uh, Maddie Skinner when she was on the left side and some other uh, some other ladies who were over on that left side putting balls away too. Yeah, ah, Maddie Skinner, man, what a freaking beast she yeah. is. I mean, she was skywalking. We needed Iron Eagle on the call for some of her kills yesterday. Like, she literally looks like she's floating in the air. She's rising over the net, just spiking the shit out of somebody. Like it, it's it's an art form watching her play volleyball. Justine said it when we were watching yesterday. She looked like the logo all afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. She's a stud. And most outstanding player, well deserved. Uh happy for Asia O'Neill, who is no longer Jermaine's daughter. Jermaine is now Asia's dad. That's how dominant she's been. She's uh built a name for herself and this whole team. Really, really cool. So uh, yeah, look, Texas, they got a chance to run it back again, and they're always in the mix with Jared Elliott. He's done a tremendous, tremendous job building that team up and building that culture into something that is uh, sustained every single year and uh, hard not to be proud of the Texas volleyball team. The tower was lit last night. Looked like there was a pretty good contingent of Texas fans who greeted the team at the tower on campus and uh, everybody excited 
for the Longhorns getting the job done. And hopefully it's the first of a couple of national championships Texas wins in the next month or so. Have you seen when the official tower lighting is for the team where they go out and take pictures and do more of a meet and greet with fans? I have not. My kids are already hammering me to go to that again. We went last year and it was a lot of fun and I do plan on going this year too. I just haven't heard uh, when that is just yet. Your kids are already hammered? Hammering me about going out there. You cut out for a second there. Sorry about that. Thankfully, my kids have not gotten hammered just yet, at least as far as I know. I haven't spent enough time with Uncle BK. Well, it may still be a few more years before that happens. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Shout out to Texas Volleyball. Shout out to some of our great sponsors as well. Our friends at Covert Bee Cave. Uh, love our great friends at Covert Bee Cave. They're actually hooking us up with a vehicle to take out to New Orleans for the Sugar Bowl. That's right. We'll be bringing you live boots on the ground coverage from the Big Easy when Texas takes on Washington on January 1st. Covert Bee Cave, though, they can hook you up right now if you're looking for a pre-owned or new car, truck, or SUV, look no further than Covert Bee Cave. An unparalleled selection. They've got seven different brands out there and three dealerships in one place. So if you're not entirely sure what you're looking for, just go out to Covert Bee Cave. There's guaranteed to be something that you are going to love. The service is second to none, and the prices. What's their slogan? Nobody beats a Covert deal. Not now, not ever. Uh, They mean that. So if you're looking for the easiest car buying experience that you can possibly find, you got to go see our friends, Dan Covert, Stacy, Mike, Jerome, the whole team out there. They will treat you like family. And uh, we love our friends at Covert Bee Cave. Find them online as well at covertbeecave.com. And shout out to Olipop too. Great tasting soda. That's actually good for you. Inside of every can, a unique blend of seven botanicals, prebiotics, and plant fibers. And this stuff tastes great. Seriously, it tastes like the soda you grew up sipping, but it has health benefits as well. It's going to help your digestive system, and uh, you can feel good about what you're putting into your system. They've got Olipop at HEB, at Target, Walmart, Costco, Whole Foods, wherever you buy your groceries, you can find the greatness of Olipop. All right, Chase, we're saying your name. Don't unsubscribe. Congratulations. Now you have to subscribe and also tell five people to subscribe. Those are the Did rules. say something about 10K? Send me 10K? 10,000 subscribers? Oh, $10,000. Yeah, and I don't, I don't have $10,000 to send you, I'm afraid. Yep. Hmm. So I'm not finding an answer on when the official tower lighting is. I know they lit the tower last night too, which is really cool. But in terms of that official tower lighting, not sure just yet. How about this story though from UT President Jay Hartzell, who had a great tweet yesterday after the match was over with. After being snubbed for Player of the Year, Maddie Skinner pulls a VY Revo question mark, and then Hookem hand signs and a trophy. But after that, he said, "Huge shout out to our." UT Tower Facilities team for making this lighting happen last night because the tower was lit up orange and one. The tower is undergoing electrical repairs, so no elevators. They had to climb the stairs on short notice to arrange the window shades to create the one on each side. Great job, UT Tower folks. Thank you so much for doing that. That is a colossal pain in the ass. Yeah. Work, but you did it. It's a good workout right there, too. Yes, it is. Walking up and down all of those steps to make that happen. Good job. 
Wow. Should have gotten John Cook to do it. No, that guy would complain that all the other people were brought in from other stair climbing ventures and <laughs> he was trying to, to do it on his own. So, oh man. All right. Hey, breaking news out of the world of Texas football. Yeah. It is official. Andrew McCuba is a Texas Longhorn. All right. The former LBJ high school kid started his career at Clemson, played his last couple of years at Clemson, entered the portal a few weeks ago, and he just tweeted out a picture saying that he is committing to the University of Texas. Big time get for the Longhorns. We went into today's show thinking we were going to talk about Matthew Golden, and we can still talk about Matthew Golden but we knew that wide receiver and safety were two top areas of need for this Texas coaching staff in the transfer portal. And so far, the Longhorns have added a really, really talented receiver with starting experience in Matthew Golden coming up from Houston and now a safety in Andrew McCuba, former five-star who has starting experience during his time at Clemson. Uh, the Longhorns continue to bolster their roster trade. These are two big-time gets, and two guys who will be expected to make impacts Right away in 2024. 31 career starts for the Clemson out of 35 games played. And he was actually the first defensive back to start a season opener for Clemson. BK going back to the 2022 season, dating all the way back to 1973. So it had been 50 years before something like that had happened. That's how good he is. And uh, he does have the statistics to show that he was a, a very... Uh, he was a, a big-time contributor whenever he was out there on the field, too. So for a position of need like this for Texas, it's great to see them land one of the biggest fishes in the transfer portal. And once again, Steve Sarkeesian and his staff show that they are handling things the right way with the transfer portal. There's a dance to be had here. You can't get everybody from the high school ranks. You can't get everybody from the transfer portal. But if you're smart about it and you can tear, cherry pick the guys that you want at positions of need, like what was happened, like what happened with Andrew and of course with golden too, um, then uh, you can replenish your roster very quickly versus having to wait for high school guys to develop, or maybe guys who are currently on your roster who aren't quite there yet either. I'm going to tag Nebraska's volleyball coach in a tweet about this. Let's get his thoughts on Texas bolstering its football team in the transfer portal. wonder if he has anything to say about that. Uh, this is a great get. God, I wish Makuba could play on January 1st. He's not allowed to, right? We've got to wait until next year for him to suit up. Well, I don't know. The NCAA just had a restraining order slapped on their ability to keep kids from sitting out. Maybe we should explore that one a little bit. Yeah, that would be nice. Makuba's actually been at Clemson for three years, uh, put up some good numbers. I still think he has two years of eligibility there as well. Um, so this is great. I mean, this is uh, this is big time for the Longhorns. They need safety players, uh, of course, with Jalen Catalan leaving via the portal. There was an obvious need for safeties going into next year. And look, this Texas safety room was okay, but it's been one of the biggest weaknesses for Texas all season long. It's something we've talked about all season long. So you figured that uh, the coaching staff would put a priority on bringing in at least one safety in the portal. And like you said, like obviously Texas recruits really well. They're going to bring in some impact players uh, at safety. Kobe Black, who they got to commit last week, could play safety in college. Xavier Filsame, the five-star who's currently committed to Florida, but everyone thinks is going to flip to Texas before signing day on Wednesday. He's also a safety, so you've got reinforcements coming. But to get a guy who you know can be a plug-and-play starter for you 
at that position as you uh, take the leap into the best conference in college football. That is absolutely massive. Nakuba's played in some big games. I know Clemson didn't have a great year this year, but uh, he was a part of a playoff team a couple of years ago. He's been in some big games, and he's got a lot of starting experience and put up some really good numbers too. This guy checks just about every box that uh, Texas was looking for in a really, really talented defensive piece. And he's got the athleticism to not only play safety immediately, BK, but <clears throat> excuse me, he can play slot corner in a pinch too. He actually played more slot corner yeah. this year at Clemson than he did that free safety position. But my guess is that Texas is going to try and fit him in at safety because they have some other plans at nickel corner when Jade Barron leaves after the season. Yeah. Yes, indeed. So Makuba's there. Also, Matthew Golden, we've mentioned him, but your thoughts uh, now that that move is official, writing's kind of felt like it's been on the wall for a while with him, but Matthew Golden, 13 total touchdowns in two seasons at Houston, played pretty well against the Longhorns a couple of months ago when Texas won that game down at the U of H. Um, Texas only has eight returning catches. I guess not anymore because Golden is committed, but before Golden committed, all of the guys who were expected to come back from for Texas, assuming X is gone, assuming Mitchell's gone, and we know Jordan Winnington's gone, all of the other guys who are currently on scholarship at Texas have a combined eight career catches, and Jonte Cook has all eight of them. So you knew receiver was going to be important for Steve Sarkeesian, and they go and get a guy who's got a lot of talent, highly touted out of high school, but also a guy who's uh, put up some pretty solid numbers through two years in college football. Yeah, it kind of feels like they have Xavier Worthy's replacement, too. A guy, now he's not quite as slight a frame as Xavier, but he is a smaller guy who plays big and plays tough. And he's got elite athleticism and speed, too. It's part of the reason why a lot of people believe he is going to be the, at least the punt, if not punt and kick returner for this team next year. So it uh, does seem like he's going to fit nicely into a position that will be vacated by Xavier Worthy for the first time in three years. Yeah. Yeah, Golden, uh, probably your number one receiver as of right now. We'll see if Texas gets somebody else in the portal. Uh, but yeah, Jontae Cook, who's already here. You got Niblet, you've got DeAndre Moore, and of course, uh, some talented cats coming in, including the five-star Ryan Wingo. There's talent, just not a lot of uh, proven production in that Texas wide receiver room. Getting Matthew Golden was big. Trey, are you with me? I know we've talked about this, but uh, do you think Texas brings in another receiver? from the portal before this uh, offseason is all said and done? Because I, I think they're going one more if they can. I think it would make sense, yeah. If you can find a guy who has been productive at a lesser program, or heck, maybe even it's a program that has been doing good things, but realizes just how well Steve Sarkeesian showcases his top three receivers, then yeah, this is a desirable locale. Steve Sarkeesian not only has a track record of using his three or four best guys far more than anybody else, but also helping those guys get to the NFL too. I mean, Xavier Worthy and A.D. Mitchell right now are being mocked, at least based on ESPN's most recent mock draft, to be first-round picks. Yeah. One would go to the Bucks, the other would go to the Chiefs. Gosh, A.D. Mitchell or Xavier Worthy on the Chiefs would be a really good thing for Pat Mahomes, a guy who's struggling for any sort of consistency out of the receiver position right now. But Sark gets it. And he calls a great offense. It's a balanced attack. He typically has thousand yard rushers every year that happened this season with Jonathan Brooks and make sure to get it done with that passing attack as well. And with as healthy as the UT quarterback room is, but also how healthy the offensive line room is right now. It feels like there is that one component that's kind of missing right now. And if you're a talented wide receiver who feel like you can step in and fill that void, you should 
damn sure be considering the Longhorns at this point if you're changing schools. Agreed. Yeah, Texas is going to be turning people away. Uh, I think just about everybody who hits the portal is hoping Texas comes calling with an offer. But uh, the Longhorns, like a few years ago, they were looking for just guys. You know, oh, we need depth here, so let's just bring this guy in. But now it's now they're looking for impact players. Uh, Bucky's talked about this a lot, like guys who could come in and start right away. I don't know if Texas is going to get an A.D. Mitchell. I don't know if Matthew Golden's going to be putting up those types of numbers next year. But guys like that, who it's like, no, dude, this this guy's proven. We know this guy's really good, and we expect this guy to make plays for us right away. Uh, that's what Texas is getting with Matthew Golden, and that's what Texas is getting with uh, Andrew McCuba. And that will be the case with any other transfer portal player, I think, that Texas gets. Like, no disrespect to Gavin Holmes. But I, like the, the Gavin Holmes era is, is is done. Calvin Anderson, a few years ago, that guy started some games for Texas. No disrespect to that guy. Texas needed him. Came in and made some things happen in the transfer portal. But like they're, they're going to be swinging for the fences, and they're going to be able to uh, get bigger names than some of the guys that they brought in in recent years. So it's that snowball effect, man. You start winning, and you combine that with everything else that Texas has going for it, then – uh, this thing, uh, this thing could be pretty special and feels like we're off to, uh, the start of something really, really good and something that's going to last for a number of years. Yep. Agreed with what Jake is saying on the YouTube comments section right now. Uh, Mukoba, gosh, I don't know why I just had a stroke when I was saying his name, Derek Williams, uh, Philsome is Philsome. Is that how you say the last name there? Yeah. Philsome. Yeah. Taff, Austin Jordan, and then he mentions Jelani McDonald too. That is a hell of uh, potential out of that safety spot with those names all vying for reps. Indeed. And Blake Gideon coaching them up, Trey. I know you like that. Yeah. Can't win them all. <laughs> well, I'm sure he deserves some credit for bringing those dudes in there. So we'll give him that. Sure. Him and Terry Joseph. And Terry Joseph, yes, the two favorite assistant coaches for Longhorn fans, without question. All right, there's some Texas football conversation. Exciting news. Glad it broke while we were on the air. Before we get into some NFL, because we at least have to talk about uh, the Cowboys game, I guess. Whoa. Uh, we also need to talk about the fact that I am officially leading you by double digits now. Yep. So we need to consider a detox or reset or cleanse or however you want to refer to this. Give me one more week because I, I don't know why I haven't tried this yet. This is something that has worked for me in the past. Going opposite every everything you want to pick. I don't know why it's taken me this long to fade myself, <laughs> but starting next weekend, I will fade myself. If I lose next week, then yes, I will take the L and we will reset the punishment. But I okay. am going to try to fade myself one time to see if uh, I can get back into this a little bit. We had four different picks this weekend. You got three of them right. I got one of them right, which means you're up 10 on me for the season. Um, if I am down by more than 10 next weekend, then I will uh, concede and wave the white flag. I'll tell you what. I'll do you one better. I will give you the option of picking every, fading yourself on every game next week. I will take the opposite of what you do. to give you. If you can go 6-0, and oh, then you will be back squarely in the mix because right now you are trailing by 11, my friend. So you'll only be trailing by five if you go six and oh. No, I am trailing by 11 because yeah. you outscored me by two. Yeah. And I was down nine. What is nine plus two? Uh, ask Sean McDermott. That terrorist probably knows. <laughs> uh, congrats to the terrorist. The terrorist win again. Buffalo. Uh, we'll, we'll do the live read first. 
AV Consultations. Here's Tom. Hi, this is Tom McKay, owner of Audiovisual Consultations, and all of us at Audiovisual would like to wish you and your family a happy holiday season. This time of year can get a little hectic, so we want to remind you to relax, enjoy the season with your family and friends, and give us a call for all your home entertainment needs. If you save the time you spend in traffic and big store crowds, you'd have more time with the people you actually enjoy. So smile, hug your kids, make love to your wife, and cheer the game with your friends. Call us at 255-8678. That's 512-255-8678 or online at AV Consultations. Yes, indeed. Tom was on the Wagner Wire yesterday with Wags for about an hour. Check that one out if you missed it. Fun conversation there. Shout out to Altstad Beer as well. The best beer that you can find all throughout the great state of Texas. It's the perfect stocking stuffer for the beer drinker in your life. If you've got holiday parties coming up, show up with some Altstad and you are guaranteed to be the life of the party. It's Altstad Beer. No impurities, no regrets. Uh, Trey, yeah, we'll talk more overall NFL tomorrow, but uh, thoughts on the Cowboys, man. I mean, they just laid an egg in Orchard Park yesterday, 31-10, to 10, the final score. The Bills knocking off the Cowboys. The game really wasn't even that close, right? Dallas had a garbage-time touchdown yeah. to uh, make it a little bit more respectable. If 31-10 is at all respectable, yeah. uh, just a total beatdown from the opening kick. Buffalo was ready, and Dallas looked like they were anything but. Yeah, it doesn't really matter all that much, but you should consider this final score 31 to 3. Uh so the thing that was most surprising to me because we've watched this team a lot over the last two months. We you watched every snap. I've watched close to every snap is the Cowboys have been winning games like they have because they've been really good along the lines of scrimmage. Offensive and defensive lines and they got completely dominated on the lines of scrimmage yesterday. That was especially the defensive line, something that I did not see coming. I thought Buffalo would win this game. I thought it might be a touchdown win. I thought this would maybe be a bit of a back and forth affair, but because as you laid out last Friday, and as a lot of people talked about heading into the weekend, Dallas has been weird on the road this year. That not only was the case, but it was almost like the the entire roster was completely distracted. I don't know if it was them celebrating that they had actually clinched the playoffs before that game had started or if something else was going on that hopefully they can forget pretty quickly because that was ugly. And to the point that you made uh, last week, BK, about just how optimistic you are with the Cowboys right now, them having to play anywhere on the road should is a pretty bad omen at this point. And yeah. the likelihood that they surpass San Francisco, not only needing to finish a game ahead of him, but where they are, uh, in the standings right now, a game behind them in terms of record, the likelihood that they'll be playing a game on the road is very high on the NFC side of the brackets. Well, they'll probably be playing every game on the road now, right? I mean, yeah. look, even if the Cowboys won yesterday and they won their last four games of the season, uh, if Philadelphia took care of its business, then the Eagles were going to win the NFC East and they were going to be a top two seed and the Cowboys were going to have to go through the wild card. Well, now the Cowboys have lost, so Philadelphia can't afford a loss. They play at Seattle tonight. Jalen Hurts is a game-time decision dealing with an illness. But after this week, it's, I think, the Giants twice and the Commanders for the Eagles. Yeah. So they're they're not going to lose two of their last four games, which, you know, mathematically the Cowboys are still alive in the NFC East. But it, it sort of feels like they uh, don't have much of a shot to win that division because of what happened yesterday. So, yeah, they're, they're going to be, because the NFL still has these stupid-ass playoff rules, or even if you have the second best record in your conference, uh, if the team that has the best record is in your division, you've got to be the five seed and play on the road. 
Cowboys are probably in the same spot they're in uh, they were in last year, where they're going to have a really good record, but they're going to have to start. They'll play on the road against a shitty NFC South team. They'll probably beat them, and then they'll have to go on the road to either Philly or San Francisco. And you'd prefer it to be Philly, for sure, because you played well up there, and obviously you beat the crap out of Philly in your home barn last week, so you feel okay about that matchup. But either way, that's a you're trying to get to the Super Bowl, and to have to go on the road and win three games, that's tough. That is a tough, tough ask. And, yeah, the Cowboys are 3-4 and four now away from Arlington this season. Just It, it feels like it goes, uh, it goes without saying any team's best chances to have home field. But for this Cowboys team especially, it really feels like they got to find a way to somehow win this division. And I don't know if it's really possible anymore, barring a very surprising collapse by Philadelphia. It is an enormously difficult task, if nothing else, just from looking at the Cowboys' schedule and knowing that they play a Dolphins team next week who – Granted, they may be without Tyree Kill, which makes a pretty big difference. They looked good yesterday. And by the way, Miami is playing for the one seed right now, if you didn't realize it. If Miami can win out, they will get the one seed because they play Baltimore in two weeks. And if they beat Baltimore, then at worst, if they went out, they would have the same record as Baltimore, but would have that tiebreaker with a head-to-head win over the Ravens. So they are going to be very motivated to beat this Cowboys team this next weekend in a game that is in South Florida. Now, the Cowboys return after that uh, back to AT&T Stadium, but they play a Lions team that seems to have just gotten its shit together too. And while they uh, do get things a little bit easier for that very last matchup of the season, yeah, the, the likelihood that they win the NFC East right now really slipped through their fingers yesterday. Yeah, it's the Cowboys' last chance to prove they can beat somebody good on the road. Like, e- even if they bounce back and beat Detroit, in week 17 and then win in Washington week 18. It's like, well, people are still going to not expect the Cowboys to beat anybody good on the road. So huge game against Miami. Obviously you feel like you're going to need to win to keep uh, any hope of winning the division alive, but yeah, your last chance. And it's, it's to me, it's not so much proving to the fans. It's proving to the guys in that locker room that you can beat a good team on the road. Cause uh, there's clearly some sort of mental block that is causing the Cowboys to look like a different team in Arlington than what they do outside of Arlington. So, yeah, man, a, a win this weekend would be nice. Weather is not going to be a factor. It is Miami, so you don't have to worry about the cold or the rain, even though it wasn't that cold or that rainy in Buffalo yesterday, all things considered. But, yeah, big one for the Cowboys coming up. they got to flush this one and uh, do it quick because they still have a lot to play for as Mike McCarthy sips on some Wendy's chili on the sideline yesterday. <laughs> Uh, Jake is asking if Jalen Waddle got hurt yesterday. I did not see that, but I also wasn't watching to the end of that game. You obviously did see him with that long touchdown in the first half, but if he's hurt and Tyree killer out, obviously that changes the dynamic of that dolphins team, but they're still not dead on the rights either. They've got uh, a good run game and, uh, two has really, uh, quieted some doubters this year. I know he's had his moments here and there and, Obviously, having Tyree Kill as one of your wide receivers helps immensely, but uh, Tua has shown the ability to have a really nice ba- bounce-back 2023 campaign. They don't need Tyreek or Jalen Waddle. They can just run the ball 100 times, and that will work. I mean, Josh Allen completed seven passes yesterday, so if the Cowboys can't sure up its run defense, then Raheem Mostert, who has 20 touchdowns this year, which is more than like five teams have, which is insane. Uh, yeah, they're just going to feed that dude, and he's going to eat for four quarters next weekend. All right, more on the NFL tomorrow. But it's time to wrap up the show the way we always do. A little where are we at in society. Trey, you want to go live or recorded today? Let's go live for Pest Wranglers. Pest Wranglers. Pest Wranglers.
They've been around since 2006, taking care of those pest problems. I'm actually excited because my guy, Steve, the owner and operator of Pest Wranglers, I want to check out a Stars game with him tomorrow night along with KD. Steve is a great dude, somebody who really values relationships. That is evident in all the five-star ratings and reviews that his employees have gotten over the years and taking care of those pest problems. Steve cares about his employees. In turn, they care about you, the customer. They make sure that you are completely satisfied at the end of every service. That's why they don't have you sign contracts. If you aren't satisfied with that service, one time, you can cancel immediately. But Steve and his employees are very confident that you will be happy and then some. Go to PestWranglers.com to find out more info or to contact them. And as we tell you every day, Pest Wranglers is a proud sponsor of where are we at in society today? That's right. It is your regular look at stories that show we as a people are headed in the wrong direction. Very occasionally, I will bring you a story that provides a sense of optimism that has us all saying to ourselves, hey, maybe we as a people are starting to figure something out. And I'm not sure which direction today's where we at is going, BK, because I'm giving you the decision as to whether we talk about the woke pendulum swinging in the other direction or the Helen Keller conspiracy, whichever we don't talk about today, we will discuss tomorrow. Which one do you think requires more time? Because we only have five minutes or so left today. I want to make sure we make the right decision here and allocate enough time to the correct subject. I think we can get through the Helen Keller conspiracy a little bit quicker. All right, let's run through Helen Keller. No, let's uh, let's get through the Helen Keller conspiracy conversation today. Then mm. Helen Keller did she ever? She end up married? Do we know? Uh, I question that uh, you, the comment you just made had me asking. According to a quick search of Wikipedia, no marriage for Helen Keller. I do not see a spouse listed on her page. All right. Well, good to know. So at the Texas Sports Unfiltered Luncheon on Saturday at Moonshine Patio Bar and Grill. Great meal. Great time downtown. Check them out. Rev River across from the convention center. It's still an awesome meal all these years later. I know every single one of you has hoodwinked your parents or grandparents into paying for a meal at Moonshine back in the day. Yeah, it's still that damn good. Go check them out. So near the... Middle to end of yesterday's luncheon, BK. Our live broadcast engineer slash producer slash what what other titles does Brock have? He's the intern. <laughs> he he doesn't get all of those fancy titles. Holy He's the shit. intern. He's got a lot of responsibility for an intern at live broadcast, but our intern Brock <laughs> um, said something. To Kevin first, that then made its way over to me because I was sitting a couple people away from Brock. Kevin was sitting in between us. That initially drew my ire before I was required to actually think about it and then do some looking up. Mm. Intern Brock said this. Helen Keller was bullshit to Kevin. I don't know how this came up in conversation, but it did. And he said, Helen Keller is bullshit. Her story is bullshit. Helen Keller is bullshit. What does that mean? So great question. So Kevin laughs immediately. He's like, Trey, did you hear this? If there's any person that should hear this, it's Trey. And 
he's like, Brock, uh, repeat what you said. Brock says, yeah, Helen Keller is bullshit. Her story is bullshit. I said, Helen Keller is bullshit? Like she's like the fucking Easter bunny or something? Like a figment of our imagination? Yeah. And he's like, no, Helen Kel- Keller was a real person, but her story is bullshit. I'm like, well, what do you mean by that? Her story is bullshit. You think that she's like pulling a Stevie Wonder and she's actually not as blind or hearing impaired as we were led to believe and she could actually say more words than water. And he said, no, he said, well, not necessarily. He's like, but explain to me how she wrote her own autobiography because she did write a best-selling book when she was, I want to say in her early twenties. And so at that point, I think about it and I'm like, yeah, that is, that is a little bit strange. It's somebody who is completely blind and deaf and is able to grasp what words mean based on some intensive work back when she was a child to go from that to writing a book, a best-selling book. There's a lot of work that needs to be done in between. So I said, you know what, Brock, you're making an interesting point here. I'm going to look this up on the Googles right now. So I looked it up. I found an article from the New Yorker that talks about how Helen Keller has had her haters and conspiracy theorists coming after her since she was 10, 20, and I think 50 years old as well. And so I read this New Yorker piece, BK, that is coming to the defense of Helen Keller and her having accomplished everything that we are told she accomplished, specifically writing the book. That's the only thing I care about at this point. You know, she wrote 14 books, right? Not just one. 14 books. So are you calling BS on all 14 or are you just calling BS on the autobiography? Let me just go ahead and talk about the autobiography for a second. Okay. Because in theory, it is incredible. It's miraculous. Unfortunately, it's a little bit too miraculous when you look at the words of the New Yorker itself. See, Helen Keller, by the time she got to her early 20s, she had a couple of keepers, BK. She had the woman who initially taught her, and then another guy came in. I think he was a Harvard-educated teacher, came in to help out with Helen Keller as well. Now, these two after 11 years of working together, end up getting married and they themselves having babies, but they are Helen Keller's keepers at this point. And so they also helped her with her affairs. And that apparently included writing her book. The guy's name was John Macy. And he described just how laborious the process of Helen Keller writing her book was. Quote, when she began work at her story more than a year ago, she set up on the Braille machine about 100 pages of what she called material, in quotes, consisting of detached episodes and notes put down as they came to her without definite order or coherent plan. Then came the task where one who has eyes to see must help her. I don't know, I guess one who has eyes but can't see can't really help her all that much, which is why he said things that way. Miss Sullivan and I read the disconnected passages put them into chronological order and counted the words to be sure the article should be the right length. All this work we did with Miss Keller beside us, referring everything, especially matters of phrasing to her for revision. Now I think that he was fudging that little revision part at the end. I think he and the other keeper took these just disjointed thoughts and ideas, and maybe some sentences here and there and actually put them together to create a book. 
But to say Helen Keller wrote her own autobiography is disingenuous. She helped out. She was the third most important person in that process. Perhaps fourth if there was an editor for uh, for Sullivan and, and Macy. But she helped write the book, but she didn't actually write the book itself. It's her story. She's the most important person. What do you mean? There's no story without her. In her story, she is the third or fourth most important per person in the book that she supposedly wrote on her own. Ah, she wasn't as good of a writer as people who could see or hear. Is that is that your big breaking news today? It's not big breaking news, but we also need to acknowledge that Helen Keller didn't actually write her autobiography. It's a biography, <laughs> or maybe it's a uh, an autobiography that we need to give ghostwriting credits. Yeah, it's who, by the way, were enriching themselves on Helen Keller's story. Yeah, and they were banging in front of her, turning her into a cuck just because she couldn't see or hear, apparently. That just that, uh, gets back to the whole tree falls in the woods and nobody's around to hear. Does it still count? If you can't, oh, I guess she does have a sense of smell. So maybe that's where it comes into play. But if you can't see or hear the sex happening, are you still a cuck? But the answer is yes, if you have that sense of smell, because... The other senses get heightened. And oh boy, that's a bad time to have that heightened sense. You guys are eating fish again? <laughs> she dropped that at some point. Look, man, I'm team Helen Keller on this, all right? And go look at the title of the book. It says Helen Keller Autobiography Forward by Those Two People. The forward in this case might happen to be the entire book, but they're given <laughs> credit, okay? Look. People love an inspirational story, which Helen Keller most certainly was. Even if she wasn't able to write books to the degree that we had been led to believe throughout our lives, the fact that she was able to comprehend language is a testament to her and also a testament to her teachers slash keepers, too, who at some point in their lives were profiteering off of Helen Keller. Mm -hmm. And it does uh, have me believing that Helen Keller is the Lance Armstrong of the deaf, blind, and mute community. Incredible what she was able to accomplish, but if you have to take a deeper look at the story, not as impressive, although Helen Keller did less to ruin other people's lives who were trying to expose the truth. Come on, man. Come on. Don't compare those two. Let's just, <laughs> just let sleeping deaf blinds lie, okay? Like the expression says, all right? Let her be. And she's Jewish, too. Don't come after another one of us right now, all right? We need this. What was that expression again? Deaf blinds. Uh, let sleeping deaf blinds lie. Isn't that what they say? Mm, I'm going to stop there because it's it's about to get much worse if I continue mm. talking about this. I'm team Helen Keller, man. Y'all are just haters. Y'all are just I'm haters. I'm team Helen Keller, too, but I also recognize that Helen Keller was the fourth most important third or fourth most important person in her own autobiography. And that's okay. That's still an incredible feat too. But I'm also calling complete bullshit on what she supposedly wrote as a nine-year-old two years after she learned the word water. Mm. Did you read that book? No, it was like a little, like two sentence essay. And I've got a, I've got a uh, smart nine-year-old who is a really good reader and a really good speaker and a decent writer too. The words that are being attributed to nine-year-old Helen Keller were written by somebody, probably this woman who was in her 20s at the time, who had come to help Helen Keller out, but wanted to serve as a sort of, provide a sort of inspiration to the rest of society by showing that if Helen Keller can write these two beautiful paragraphs, 
you've got eyes and ears. Who knows what you can accomplish? Mm, this this is disrespectful, man. I mean, this is unbelievable. Oh, too soon for Helen Keller. One of Tom our great Perry. heroes. One of our great American heroes is getting dunked on. Just like Lance Armstrong. Yeah, she has real disabilities, you know. Lance Armstrong had to come back from testicular cancer. Yeah. I don't remember Helen Keller using steroids. I missed that part of the of the deal. I don't know, man. I'm team Helen Keller. Whatever. She's great. She's a legend. She wrote her own stuff. You can't write. I'm illiterate. She can read and write. She's got us. I uh, yeah, the reading thing is a little bit more complicated than just to say she can read words on page. But yeah, she is extremely bright and capable and a much better human being when she was alive than you and I are as it currently sits. Bar's pretty low as we bring Zay on here in a second. Look, she gave credit to the other people. Look at that. That's nice. She didn't have to do that. Oh, so that's the Ann Sullivan Macy autobiography there that's being called a biography because Helen Keller supposedly wrote it? I don't know if that's that book or a different book that was written. There's some help there. It's nice. All right. I see I see one half of uh, Chip and Zay. The better so, half. How we doing? How we doing? Living good, man. Today's a good day, you know, from... Andrew Makuba, here y'all talking about the great Helen Keller, continuing our moonshine talk from Saturday, which was great get together. Appreciate everybody who was involved in that. But yeah, man, feeling good. Fantasy team in the championship. Shit. Can't complain too much. Can't complain. Yeah, I'm pretty grateful that I was on the other side of the table from uh, these Helen Keller <laughs> conversations that you guys were getting into on Saturday. I, I didn't need any of that. Oh, that barely scratches the surface. Tomorrow we're going to get to part two of that conversation that I'm sure uh, Zay is recollecting. <laughs> about how the the, uh, the linguistic pendulum has swung in the exact opposite direction from where it was three years ago. Yeah. Looking forward to that, for sure. By the way, can we get like a filtered part of the picture so I can get a little bit lighter? I don't want Trey to be clear here, you know, because there's some very white folks in our TSU mm. pick that we took on Saturday. But your boy, I know I'm midnight dark, but damn. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I got humbled again. I've been dark my whole life. I know that. But there's few times where I get humbled. And Saturday, I said, shit, Zay, you are in a different category. <laughs> I'm going to blame our waitress, Ashley, who did a tremendous, tremendous job. But I was like, hey, we need a group picture. She's like, let's take it outside. And the sun could not have been in a worse spot, uh, really for any of us, but especially for you. And Zay, if it makes you feel better, I I, I tried every filter that, that my phone had to offer. <laughs> I tried, man. I tried. There was there was no saving you, unfortunately. Like that was that was the best uh, the best I could have done. So well, the, the problem is the window pane directly behind your yeah. head. It framed you perfectly, and it was like a tinted window frame. So you were completely screwed at that point. It was, we we did what we could do. It was just a bad location. But now that's got to be a bit. Every year we take that picture. You just you've got to find a spot to where 
you could barely be seen. It's like, holy Yo. fuck, he's a headless horseman here. No, <laughs> no, it's just terrible fucking positioning. <laughs> who's that smiling? What? What? See Yo, the who's that? Like, what? What the hell is that? The hell? God. So, shout out to all the legendary Dark Brothers, man. The Wesley Snipes of the world, Charlie Murphys. Yeah, yeah man. Shout to the legends. Good times. All right, gentlemen. We'll let y'all get to it. You guys have a great show. Appreciate y'all. Later, guys. Appreciate it, fellas.